This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And Michael, we have a question today that has been submitted by several of our children, and it's great when our kids, not only do they submit questions, that means that they are listening to these podcasts. Absolutely. And because I know their mom and dad, we also know their mom and dad shelter them from the more <laughs> mature content on some yes, of our podcasts. Do. But um, Corey and Callie, Cora and Callie Lewis um, submitted an incredible kids. question, and I appreciate the curiosity. In fact, um, my daughter is regularly asking me, who is um, Cora's age, yeah. uh, nine years old, uh, Dad, will you please, please, please start a Q&A podcast for kids? Ooh, so yeah. I, I tasked our children's pastor <laughs> with that responsibility. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping in the upcoming 2018 year, we're going to see the Village Kids Q&A podcast come to life. Well, I believe there's going to be a lot of kids that are going to listen to that. Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean— um, Every day on the way to school, my kids and I have um, really, really deep conversations about their questions. And today, our conversation was, Dad, if you have trusted in Jesus, is it possible for you to go to hell? But the reason I asked this is because um, that was actually the subject matter of the podcast that came up today. Yeah. And um, and so uh, I, I was, rather than having them listen to it, I was kind of bringing up some ideas for them. And then they posed the question out of the ideas that I was talking about. Sure. And, um, and so it was fun to actually talk to them about cultural Christians mm-hmm. and true Christians. And we did uh, we did a little game called the Holy Spirit Test. How do you know you have the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and um, it was fun. It was just a really neat conversation. But, like, they have so many questions. And, um, I, yeah, I never cease to be amazed. My kids will ask me, what are you preaching on? I'll say, I'm preaching on the days of creation. And mm. and then I don't even know where these questions are coming from, sure. but they're just there deep in their brains, and I love them. Yeah, I, I love kids that they are so curious. They want to know. My wife came home with some research about how often uh, younger children get to this curiosity state. Mm. And, and it's so many times an hour that they are curious and they want to find out something. What's sad is as adults— that number plummets. Yep. You know, yep. and say, like, well, why would you ever stop trying to figure things out? Yep. I mean, we're not the smartest people in the world. So I'll, I'll tell you, um, uh, you know, there there are questions that kids are going to ask and uh, you can't answer them. And, oh, uh, yeah. I, or uh, I won't answer them. And so actually we spent uh, today, my, my daughter's question was, she was talking, she's just processing about her questions. And she says, I am going to figure out <laughs> what happened <laughs> in Genesis to Tamar. Ooh. And she said, Dad, can you explain it? Because Dr. Gottlieb, that's her teacher, um, talked about it, but then she wouldn't tell us what happened. And she said, kids, you're not old enough yet. And she was like, you tell me what happened. And we had had a great conversation today about um, uh, our friend Angelica, who's an incredible teacher and an awesome mom. And and, uh, her daughter asked her a question, and her response to her was, you know how there are some things that are – like you'll carry some things and they're just too heavy for you. Sure. You just can't mm-hmm, carry them. Mm-hmm. She said, there are some things, there's some questions that you ask. The answer is too heavy for your heart to handle. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be a little bit older. And so I was right. able to talk to my kids That's about good, that and say, analogy. you know, there are some things that you can't unknow. Right. And there are some things. You know, and so one time my older daughter saw something that really gave her some nightmares. I sure. said, would mm-hmm. you have rather not seen that? And she's like, for sure. And I'm like, mm-hmm. in the same way, there's, there are some realities in this world that yeah. if there's no reason for us to show you, Right. Because you can't unsee them and your little heart isn't ready yes. for it yet. But this is a question 
that is not too heavy for the heart of a child to handle? Not it's a great all. question. Why does Satan want to hurt us? Yeah, I've heard adults ask this question, you know, in, in their own way. Yep. Obviously, not as it, this, these kids have. Yep. But it's a great question. Yep. I, let's start with a few just things that I think would be helpful. A, a lot of times when we think of God or we think of Satan, we think of them like us. Oh, yes. And yeah. in some ways, we are like God, but in the majority of ways, we are not like God. So I can't speak and have things that did not exist begin to exist. <laughs> um, I don't know all things. I am not all powerful. I can't know everything at all times. I can't read the heart or the mind of every human on the planet. Sure. You know, I. So there's a lot of differences that we have. And, and I think sometimes with Satan, because he is personified, uh, Satan seems to be a person with essence, not mm, a human being, mm-hmm. but he has... Uh, a will and desires and all the things that we have. He has uh, the ability to make choices. And and so we see that Satan is uh, aware and conscious and making decisions just like we do, but he's very, very, very different than us. He has sure. different capacities. Oh, yeah. So angels yeah. don't have physical bodies. So you think about all the limitations of a physical body. Um, when you are a spirit and you are an angel and you're created um, to uh, we'll say, be in the presence of God in in heaven. There's just very different. So we got to think about them in kind of a different way. Um, but also one of the things that we have to understand is that um, Satan has something that we have never met a human being who has this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let me try mm-hmm. to, I'll try to explain this. Yeah. Explain that. So every, every human being is powerfully infected by sin, right? Mm-hmm. But part of being made in the image of God means that we still have a knowledge, um, even just this kind of a conscience inside of us, if you will. And um, some people are really, 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 really bad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But very, very rarely or ever will you find somebody who is um, only evil, only ever, with no hope, no opportunity to turn around. You know what I mean? Like a level of evil and bad Mm-hmm. That is unchangeable. Okay, so we believe that no matter how bad somebody is, God can still even change them. That's right. And uh, and then there's this reality that uh, let's say you live a hundred years and you're bad the entire hundred years. Well, every year you get worse and worse and worse, right? What if you lived for six thousand years? Yeah. Or ten thousand years? Right. Could you imagine how bad you would be? Mm-hmm. Humans have this limitation. We can only be so bad because we can only exist for so long before we die. Satan has been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Right. He is given over purely to sin. To sin, to evil, to hurt God's people, yep. to hurt hurt God's plan. Right. Because they're all possible. Because he is only infected with sin everywhere. It's every part of it. every thought has been fully given over to sin. Um, and so here's what you find is that Satan is not like most of the people you meet. Most of the people you meet in your life, they're going to have some level of conscience. There is no Mm -hmm. conscience with Satan. There is no remorse. There is no regret. He's in so deep that there is nothing of that sort. So he's unlike any other human being that you're ever going to meet. But at the very the very core of this issue, here's what we know. First Peter five eight. Can you great, read that great, for us? Tim? Great passage. Yeah, read that for and, us. And I think it's amazing that of all the disciples, who would write this? But Peter. Peter. Peter would yeah. understand. First Peter five eight says, "Be sober minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking 
someone to devour. Absolutely. Yep. That is a warning from Peter. It was good then. It is great now as well. Yep. And Peter was the one Jesus said to him, hey, Peter, Satan has basically requested that he consume you and destroy you. That's right. And uh, so Peter knows that the evil one is out for him. And I imagine at some point, Peter asked what Cora and Callie asked, which is, why? Why? What did I ever do to you? To him. Yeah. What did I do to him to make him you know, so yep. mad at me or, it, or so angry with me to yep. hurt me. Yep. So here's, let, let's put it this way. Sin uh, makes you hate God. That That's a simple answer. And it makes you hate God and it makes you want to ruin God. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes you want to reject God and uh, it makes a lot of people not believe in him, but if they had to face him, then they would hate him. So yeah. like in hell, there's this uh, phrase that people experience the gnashing of teeth, mm-hmm. which is a, a grinding, angry experience so that in hell, people are not, save me, Jesus. They're angry They're at him, angry at right? him, yes. So uh, here's the idea that Satan hates Peter and you and me Probably not because of ourselves, but because he hates God mm-hmm. and we are his kids and we are made in his image. And he knows um, that it really, really, uh, we are really important to God. And so at the end of the day, one of the reasons, the primary reason probably that Satan hates us is because we're God's kids and he hates God and everything having to do with God. Um, in the same way that good people um, look at evil in the world and we're disgusted by it, evil people evil beings like Satan, they look at good and they're disgusted by good. That's right. So if you're acting like Jesus, Satan hates you because you're you're actually becoming good like Jesus is and he hates all things righteous. And uh, so you have to imagine Satan is somebody who hates God, hates righteousness. That's right. Uh, you know those things that make you like just revulse, you're like, ugh, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, that's what righteousness is to Satan. And so when he sees somebody who's becoming more like Christ, he wants to just destroy them because it's like the thing that makes him want to puke. And so part of that is just understanding that also um, if he could, because he has no righteousness in mm-hmm. him, he wants to kill us. He wants to devour us. And it is only because God has restrained him. That's right. That he's not able to do that. John 8, 44, Jesus says to (laughs) the Pharisees, funny that he says this, (laughs) you were of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. That's scary. He was a murderer from the beginning. And we see that uh, he is the primary influencer behind Adam and Eve and their rebellion behind Cain's murder of Lot, or not of Lot, of Abel. And um, and it's interesting because uh, Genesis says that anybody who kills, uh, this is really, 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 really evil to God because killing is murdering someone who has been made in God's image. Right. Um, and that's very personal to God. So Satan would love to kill us because he knows we're personal to mm-hmm. God. Yep. And uh, if I have an enemy and I can't get to the enemy and I really want to ruin my enemy, I'll go to his kids. Go to his kids. I can hurt my enemy by hurting his children. Yep. Is all that dysfunctional and backwards and ridiculous? Yes. Yeah. And that's the way it plays out. It is. Everything you're talking about is spelled out for us clearly in Job chapter one. We read about how there was a day that when the sons of God, angels come before God's throne and Satan is with them and Satan begins to accuse Job of saying, Hey, Job only serves you. He only worships you because you have your hand on him. Let me get my hand on him. And there's the perfect example or the answer to this question. 
you know, Job had done nothing to Satan, and yet Satan is going on a full-out frontal attack on one of God's children that has done that has done nothing but worship and serve God. And yet, here he goes, full all out. And it, it is just amazing that what we see played out in that first chapter of Job is what we see expelled out and, and explained uh, by Jesus and by the apostles in, in their New Testament writings, that we have an enemy. We have, uh, maybe he is an invisible enemy, but that does not mean that he's not real. He is very real, and he has a horde of uh, counterparts, uh, his, his servants, that are exercising his duties as well yep. on God's children. Amen. And they're given over to sin, and this is why skin, sin is so scary. Because it blinds you yes. and it corrupts you and it makes you want things that are not good and righteous. And this is why righteousness is so meaningful because it kills sin right. and it actually makes you love and want the things that God wants. And mm-hmm. Job, that Job 1 is a great illustration of Satan's motivation, his mindset, right. what he what he wants and to do. And the hardness of his heart, the yeah. pride that it's, that it's in him that he has not only for Job as we see, but for all of God's people. Yep. So, Tim— we're going to shift gears in questions, and uh, we're going to start answering questions on the book of Genesis. Love it. We have a number of questions, I think, that will probably take us through the next couple of weeks. Maybe we'll take a breather here and mm-hmm. there and just yeah. pop in some other questions. But right now, we're preaching uh, on Genesis 1 through 11. Uh, Great we're only series. On the third yep. sermon, I think, right now. And uh, we just finished at the time of recording the um, first five days of creation, the Sunday, mm-hmm. um, which will be the 21st, I believe, of January is going to be the sixth day of creation when God creates mankind and animals. And yeah. So uh, all of these questions are coming in science and fossil records and, <laughs> and uh, the sun and the moon and the stars. and all. So here, here's the question that's coming up uh, next time. In the creation account, how is there light before the sun and stars? Oh, great question. So day one, God yeah, creates the light. That's right. Or God produces light for the earth. But then on day four... We have the creation of the sun and the moon and stars. Yeah. This is illogical. The Bible's anti-science, so we should all reject it. Wait, no, that's not the case. So, <laughs> no, we know that's not the case. Yeah, so uh, come back next time, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna deal with this one. Yeah, please join us then. Yeah, and in the meantime, don't engage Satan because he doesn't like you. That's right. <laughs>